this time on the Rolling with New York Mike podcast. Us voters out there, if you do not vote out these Democrats, then you're going to be responsible. It's not going to be a healthy life. It's not going to be a healthy existence. It's not going to be. It's not going to be a world that you're going to be comfortable living in. Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now, his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. Hi, I'm New York Mike, and this is Rolling with New York Mike. Oh, my God. It's been 10 days, and I'm going to explain. It's been, it's been a horrible week. I totally apologize. I have been out of commission, and I'm going to explain everything. It, it truly was a horrible week. So I came back from Sturgis, and it was a wild ride, the whole thing. I don't know how many people saw some of the, the pictures I sent or the, the speeches I made or some of the other things. I mean, it was a great Sturgis for, for me, Robert Patrick, Mark Novot. We had a great time. I, I think I explained it. I thought Sturgis was way down as, as far as population is concerned. How many people showed up and, and all that. The numbers were down. But going into town, I, I've been going to Sturgis for, what, 35, 40 years now. <laughs> and I love Sturgis. I, I really, really do. I, I love riding there. I love being there. I love being in the Black Hills. I love being in Wyoming. That whole part of the the country, South Dakota, is fantastic. Towns like Spearfish, Deadwood. It's, it's just, I have so many friends who moved. I wish I did. I wish I had bought something in Spearfish or Deadwood years ago when, when I really had the chance. And I don't know why I didn't do it. It was like from the first time that I ever rode to Sturgis, living in New York in the 80s and getting my first Evo, (laughs) my my first Evo, (laughs) and I rode to Sturgis on it. I knew that bike was a great riding motorcycle. It didn't take me more than a few weeks of riding it to say, whoa, this is, I could ride this all over the place. There was no question in my mind and I think I've told the story several times. I got a, a stickball pad and put it on, put it on the bike. I got a big POWMIA flag, put it on that stickball bat. <laughs> it's like a thick. If you if you never played stickball, it's it's a New York thing. But if if you never played it, it's like a th- big thick broomstick. Okay, that's that's a, a stickball bat, and it's it's just like. It's take a broomstick, three or four times the the thickness of it, and that's it. And I got that, put that on on the bike on the back of the bike, and put that POW MIA flag. And I, I rode out from New York City to Sturgis, and it was an amazing ride. And I had a great time. It was a I was like wow, I couldn't believe it. And I had that flag, and it was awesome. I still have those memories of riding into town, little towns in Minnesota and places like that. 
and pulling up on gas stations and guys would walk over to the bike, you know, you know, hey man, you, you're in Vietnam, yeah, I was in Vietnam, and we'd start talking, I mean, I was like in my 30s, and in 85, the Vietnam Veterans War was dedicated in 82, and so things were just opening up for us as people, and <laughs> now we, yeah, we were not people before that, that, that Vietnam Veterans Wall, Jan Scruggs, who was the power behind that wall, he, he drove it, he made it happen. I've met many of the people that were on the board of directors and worked with him, but he was the driving force and made it happen. And it changed our lives. And so it, this is like 85. And so I remember, I guys would walk up to me and start talking to me. And I, I know how we all were. We were, it was, it was tough, very difficult being a Vietnam vet. Forget about the names and, and all that. The, the, being ostracized the, the way we were, make, making us feel guilty. Calling people names, I mean, who cares? I don't, you know, people call you names. But that's that's fine. But somehow, when you've been through a war, when you've done the things that you do in war, and then your own countrymen kind of look at you like you're some sort of a a disgusting thing, which is how we were treated, it it makes you you feel badly. You feel guilty. You feel horrible. What did I do? And you question it. And of course, after you, you think about it and you go through it, you've got to come up. I mean, I, I've gone through it and questioned it. And then I, I think about it and I go, wait a minute. I, I did what I did for the people of South Vietnam. Now, as, as a, an operator, I got to spend time with those people. I got to spend time, you know, going through the little villages and towns by myself and with maybe one or two others that, that, that we went into town and we, we spent time with the people. And at dinner, at the, they fish heads and rice and whatever they fed us, they took care of us, they fed us, they invited us into their homes on a regular basis. And it was, it, it, those people just wanted to be free they didn't want to be dominated and taken over and dictated to by the North Vietnamese by the communists they wanted to be the, the free South Vietnam that that they were and it, it didn't happen so I didn't feel guilty about what I did in the war I feel guilty about what we didn't do that we didn't declare victory and and so wrestling with it in my own head because from time to time you do that and you question yourself and that's what happened I, I got to tell you some of the things that happened and I think about the soldiers today I think about American troops today and I never want them to go through what we went through I don't know if, if any other warrior for a nation was treated the way we were I mean, maybe at the Nuremberg trials, but 
not by our fellow countrymen. I got to tell you, and, I, and I, I look at what's going on today, and I see the, the politics of today, and I, I see what Biden is doing. And I, I got to call a spade a spade. This guy, is there's something wrong with him. I think he's corrupt. I think he's a liar and a thief. I do. I, I, I have a, I mean, people would seem to be able to say anything they want about Trump. They, they seem to, if they have criticisms for Trump, they seem to be free to say all these things about Trump. I think Trump was a great president. I think that some of the things that he did, some of his policies, some of the work he did, I just, I don't know how people cannot appreciate it. You may not like the man. You may, you may feel he might be, I don't know, have, have a, maybe, maybe he's, he's, he's got a gross personality or something, or I don't know, people call him a narcissist or whatever. You could say anything you want, but give him the credit he's doing for the trade policies, for the make America great again. I, I have, <laughs> I have a, a nephew that said, oh, we were always great. I'm sorry, but I didn't think Obama left the scene with America feeling great. When he went around the world apologizing, when he wouldn't call a terrorist a terrorist, he wouldn't use the term Muslim terrorist. And, and we were at war with the Muslim terrorists during that time, all during that time. And there were certain things like he, he made you feel ashamed of America apologizing we're a racist country. We're terrible with it. I mean, no, I'm sorry. And, and I, I never felt that way about this country again. Having to go over this in my mind, thinking about my ancestors having come over here from the situations that they were in. All my ancestors came from Russia. And they came from horrible, horrible lives to America. And was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. My grandparents lived on the Lower East Side. They lived in Linden Boulevard, Brooklyn. Struggled, going to work, trying to make a living. My one grandfather died at 44. He was killed. My other grandfather died at 51 from leukemia or for, because he was, he was a printer. He was in the printing business. And the, the the chemicals. I mean, this is this is what this is what life was like. There wasn't any lawsuits. There wasn't any major whatever saying, "Oh, you can't have these chemicals. You can't do this. You can't do that." They they made a living. They had to make a living for their families, and that's what they did. And it was not easy, but it was so much better here than it was over there. They loved this country. My grandmother loved America. I, it, it was, I mean, sad. She had to bring up five kids on her own. I mean, my father was five years old when his, when his dad died at 44 years old. Ironically, so ironically, my father died at 44 as well. It's, it's so crazy. When you, you 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 think about these things, but that, that's that's the way it happened, 
and and now we 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 have a president that's calling us racist, that's calling me a fascist, that's calling me a a MAGA, because I I believe in make America great again. I believe in America first. I believe in all those policies that that President Donald Trump pushed through and just brought America to be the the world leader. There was no question when Donald Trump was on the world stage, he was center stage. He was the lead in in everything. And everybody just looked up to him. Whether they liked him or not, I can't tell you that. I have no idea. You know, did Macron and this one and that one, were they just paying him lip service? Did they like him? Did they dislike him? Did they find him gross? I, I don't know. But he was the leader. He was the leader of the pack. Always, wherever he went. And that was America. So I, I always appreciated that. And I think that America should have always appreciated that. And now we have a president who's it's clear as a bell that his son went around the world, whether it was in Moscow, in China, in, in uh, uh, the Ukraine. What this, the corruption, working for Burisma, getting what, something like $83,000 a month? I, I, it was like, I, I, for what? He had no skill set, didn't know anything. Burisma's an energy company. Hunter Biden knows nothing about the energy world, the business, anything about it. And he's there. Why? Because he's connected at the time to the vice president of the United States. He got millions and millions of dollars from Russia, from China. This is clear as a bell. And and this whole Russiagate thing that they accused Trump of. Trump, <laughs> there was nothing. Yeah. Did he have kind words for, for Putin? You know, he's, he's negotiating, so he's in the arena with the guy. Look at the way he treated, the, you know, the North Vietnamese. He knows how to deal with people. He, he, knows how to, he knows how to, you know, calm situations, make deals. That's what he's done his whole life, and he did it well. He brought peace to the middle. Who in the world ever dreamed that... Somebody could bring peace to the Middle East for crying out loud. Another four years, I'm telling you, he, he would have made some peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. I am absolutely convinced of that. I, you, you don't want to believe it? Let's see what happens in 2024. Because if, if he's elected president again, I believe he'll, he'll be able to do that. That's what I believe. That's how strong his personality is. That's how strong his belief in this country is, that, that he could do that. And here comes Biden, and he's going to forgive student loans? Where does he come off with that program? I paid for my student loans. I went in the military at 18 years old, went to Vietnam, came back, Saved my money. I didn't spend anything. 
Say, I worked for almost the whole time I was in the military. I worked in in Columbia South. When I was in Mississippi, I worked in Mississippi. When I was in Columbia, I, when I was in Sumter, I worked in Columbia. Thirty miles every day. Boom. Drove down to Columbia. Down the back. Every night. Go down there five, six o'clock. Work all all night long. Come home two, three in the morning. I mean, that's that's what I did. When I was in Vietnam, I didn't spend anything. Saved all my money. Bought a brand new car when I came back. This is what we did. I had I had my my base pay, which wasn't much. <laughs> <laughs> Not much at all. But I also had, had combat pay, had jump pay. So you know, I just put it all in the bank. And I came home and I bought a brand new car. A Pontiac GTO convertible. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was just awesome to be able to do that. And then I worked for a guy named Johnny Davis, who owned a bunch of nightclubs in Columbia and uh, the, the guy was basically a pretty big southern gangster, but he was great to me. And when I told him I was going out to California, which I was, that's what I was doing, I was going to California. Why? Because I figured I can go to junior college in California. I thought it was free. I don't know, maybe it wasn't free, but it, was, it, it seemed like that was a pretty good program at the time. And um, he convinced me to stay in Columbia, go to the University of South Carolina, he set me up with a meeting with Strom Thurmond, Senator Strom Thurmond, who got me into the university as a resident student. So I had the GI Bill. I got in to the University of South Carolina. And by the way, I mean, I, I only had a GED for, for, for my high school education. It worked for me. I made it work for myself. I made it happen. So I w went to the University of South Carolina. I got a student loan, had the GI Bill, which helped a lot, and I worked. I had two jobs. I was the head instructor at Barcoots Karate School, and I worked at the, the Army-Navy Club on Wheat Street and the Army and the, um, and the Grasshopper Club out on Bluff Road in Columbia, South Carolina. And so, plus I, I ran a card game. <laughs> you just did what you did. You just, you had to make it happen. And it wasn't easy. That card game was scary stuff, man. Every bouncer and bartender in Columbia came to, came to my card game. It was me and Dale Daniels. And, and we ran that game. And these guys, every one of them had a, a 38 or a 45 with them. <laughs> and it was every, every Saturday night, and they they come after the clubs closed, and that game didn't break up until like what twelve one o'clock on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> in in some ways it was great, in some ways it was just plain old scary, man. So, but you know, you but you 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 did what you did. You worked. You hustled. You 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 made it happen. All of a sudden, this president says, oh, yeah, we, we're going to pay off the student loans? Are you kidding me? You don't do that. No one paid off my student loans. I did. No one, no one paid for my, my going to school. No one paid for the gas in my car. My God, 
I used to spend, I, I, I could still remember, it was like $5 a week. That's what it cost me for gas. I don't know what gas cost back then. What, 18, 20 cents a gallon back, back in the 60s? <laughs> and, and at the end, but I, you know, but I, I knew what it cost. I wasn't frivolous just because I, I made money and I, I made decent money. But I didn't just throw it around. I was careful with my money. I worked hard for my money. And you, you, there's a certain education that you give yourself by having the discipline, going through it. And it's something that's going to help you for the rest of your life. Something that's going to give you, it's going to give you the confidence that you can achieve, that you can succeed, you can overcome. I mean, overcoming, coming back from Vietnam was a big deal. I remember I was dating a girl from Tennessee. I remember taking her on my motorcycle. My, I had a TR6. It was probably, I don't want to say it was 10 years old. It might not have been. I think it was a 59, and this is 66. So... We went down to Lake Murray on the motorcycle, and then we, I remember going down to Columbia and going down, we went to the movies. I think we saw, I, could, I, I know, it's crazy, 1966, and we saw Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I, I can still remember. And so we, would, we dated once or twice. She was this cute girl from... Somewhere in Tennessee, I don't remember. And after, I don't know, two dates, three dates, I go to the student union, and I'm sitting there, and I see her walk in with a, three or four girlfriends, comes to the and I'm waiting for them to come over to me. They sit at the table, and all of a sudden, it's like a committee. That's all you... They, they come over to me because I'm like going, what's up? I, I, I don't remember if I started to walk over there and say something or whatever. But, you know, we were dating. And all of a sudden, these guys come over and they kind of read me the riot act. I don't remember how it, how it was. They were, I, I didn't tell her I was in Vietnam. I didn't know whatever. I don't why wouldn't I say, why wouldn't I tell her that? I, I don't remember what we did or didn't talk about, but clearly that was something that I just don't remember. But they were like telling me I shouldn't go near her. It was horrible. It was horrible that they did that. And I was furious. And I, I remember... Called these guys out, and they were on the football team. And I called these guys out. We were in the student union, and I told them to come. That there was a, there was a locker room downstairs below the student union, and there was a locker room. And I didn't want to make a scene in the student union, and I told them to come downstairs and talk to me in the locker room. And we went downstairs, and two or three of these guys came down there. And I get down there, and I'm just p 
pissed. And I'm like, and these guys are like, listen, man, you know, they, they were kind of sort of apologetic. And then, and they, they knew that I worked at the club and they knew who I was. And they, they were just kind of like, listen, man, we didn't, they asked us to do this. The girls asked us to help them out. They were a little afraid when they found out you were in Vietnam. And it, it was just, I, I, I don't. It was horrible, and I was just just furious about that for a long time. And I remember being at the club and actually causing some problems. <laughs> there was the one guy that was there. They came in. These are, they played football for you know University of South Carolina. Now I was very friendly with Dan Reeves. Danny Reeves was a quarterback. And Dan, if you don't remember the name Danny Reeves, Danny Reeves became, he became a, uh, a halfback for the Dallas Cowboys. Then he became the coach of the Atlanta Falcons and then the, the Denver Broncos. And great, great football player, great guy. And me and Danny were friendly. And I was friendly with a bunch of other guys on the team. But there were these, the guys that came up to me at the student union weren't those guys <laughs> and, and, and so I, I had license to, to I, I, I just beat the shit out of one of these guys at the, at the club I remember I, I threw him out for doing something and and we, we get outside and I, I just I walked him to the door said you know you gotta go blah blah whatever it was and he turned around and he threw a punch at me. And oh my God, I just, I threw him on the ground. <laughs> I was like, you son of a, you stupid son of a bitch. And th then half the team was after me on that. It was, but you know what? I, I was, it was just, it was just so wrong to be that way. And I just remember it as a, as a horrible, situation and what are you going to do about it you feel like you, you've gone to war you've you've gone through the hell of a, of a war you've seen fellow americans kids your age what was i 19 maybe i was 20 or 21 and you, you see kids die you, you see kids get shot up and wounded i i remember i got medevaced I'm in a chopper with a guy whose leg is blown off. And another guy that was, his neck, he just, it, it was just, I mean, all these situations are going on all around you. And you see these other people pay a price. It's, it's some of the things are just horrible. And you think about it, you say, I went through all that, and these people are treating me like I'm a pariah? And that's how they treated us. And... Listen, I, there, there were so many Vietnam vets who were friends of mine who were treated so much worse than me. And, and so I have no complaints. I was, I was able to navigate my way through it. I hated it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, story after story of, of how we were treated. When I, when I went, they had these anti-war rallies, and I would go and speak at them. And... It was, 
it was horrible. But I, I made my points. I, I got up on that microphone and I, they, they, they tried to shut me down. I mean, remember, the, for the first time I did, they, they pulled the plug out of, they pulled, they pulled the wire out of the, out of the microphone. And, and that was after about, I think I got almost a minute off. Um, and then I just stood up there and just yelled, you know, so the microphone wasn't working. Okay. So I just told them what I thought. But after that, I was able to figure out a way to stay up there for two or three minutes at a time. <laughs> and I'd go to every anti-war rally I could find, and 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 I'd I'd, I'd speak, and they were they were all over the place. So you get up there and you and you, and you do that. There's so, you. I always got some level of support. Always. I mean, even the first time, there was somebody came up to me afterwards. And, and said something complimentary and supportive. There was always that. Yet there was, the other side was there, and there was a ton of it, a lot more uh, of, of the nasty, <laughs> the, the verbally abusive, <laughs> to say the least, and, and the threatening. I don't know why these guys thought they could you know, just say the most threatening things and get away with it. But they did, and I think I handled it well at the time. But it was—it just was not easy. And but that little bit of support—I got to tell you that—is it, 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 as I'm thinking about it, that little bit of support that came through meant everything. And it was usually from a female was very seldom one of the guys. The guys always seemed to have to act tough. They had to act like all had the long hair and hippies and beads and all their whatever tie-dye and all that stuff. That was the 60s. And they would always act like the big kahuna. <laughs> but you know, they, but that's, that's what it was. And so let them do that thing and tell them what you think of them tell them the price of freedom you talk about talk about their fathers fighting wars you try to bring some reality to their lives but they don't want to hear it they were just so anti-vietnam there was no nobody had any real intellect with regard to what was going on in vietnam nobody had any in in my opinion any real understanding of what those people were going through and what we were trying to do for them and why it was worth it. And it was so worth it had we been able to accomplish, and we did. We won that war every day. There was never a minute that we didn't win the war. President Jeep, uh, who you know became the head of the North Vietnamese, he was the general in charge, he, he wrote his book. And he said they knew that we won the war, but they also knew that the American people were just so against the war that they were going to continue the fight, believing that the American people would eventually wear down the government. And that's exactly what happened. And me, I could see it. I could see it as plain as day. 
And it's the same thing today. I could see it today. I could see that this, this government, today's government, the Biden regime, the Democrats in this country are ruining America. It's just as clear as a bell. You could see it. You can hear it. You could feel it in the inflation. You could feel it in the lack of morale. Go to the cities. Look at the crime. Talk to the cops. These are the people that you want to create peace. You want them to create a, an environment that you can survive in, that you can thrive in, that you can be successful in. You, you don't want an environment where people are robbing and stealing, where you, where you have to you know, walk around with your head on a swivel, looking around everywhere to, to see where the next hit is coming from where the next crime is coming from. That's what it's like today. All these cops want to do is keep you safe, protect you, create an environment that you can thrive and live where you can feel comfortable and, and you, don't, you, you don't have to look over your shoulder and be, be afraid every place you go, and especially afraid for your, for your, your children. I mean, it, it, it's... It's a terrible way to live. And that's the way we live today. That's what, that's what the Democrat Party has brought to America. Aside from the inflation, aside from the, the, the I, don't, I don't want to say the lack of value, the devalued everything in America. When inflation just devalues everything. And that's what it does. And that's what it's done to this country. And I've been talking about it for a year and a half, almost two years now. We've been talking about inflation. It's been coming on. And these Democrats can say, oh, it's Putin. Oh, it's, it's the Ukraine. Bullshit. Has nothing to do with that. It's all about Biden. It's all about these... these people that you have, these communists, and that's what they are, and these environmental wackos, man. Are you kidding me? They're, they're telling you that they want us, America, to sacrifice and suffer, not China, not India. We don't care what they do. Listen, we're, we're not going to worry about China or India or Russia. We're not going to worry about any of the South America, Venezuela, nothing. We're just going to worry about America. And we're going to make sure that the air in America, the air above America is clean. And we're going to save the planet by saving the air over America. Not going to worry about the rest of the world. What are you, stupid? How stupid can you possibly be to think that it's okay for America to suffer and sacrifice and the rest of the world was causing... I mean, look at the pollution caused in, a, in Mexico. Go to Mexico City. They were wearing masks way, way, way before COVID. Go to China. Go to Russia. I mean, go to India. They, these places, they are not worried about global warming, freezing, anything else. 
global anything. They're not, they don't care. All they want to do is survive. The, the, the coal mining in China, I mean, it, it's, it's filthy, dirty. That's the way it is. And unless you can get them to do something, why would you have America suffer and sacrifice? Why? Because it, it, it makes absolutely no sense. And by the way, necessity being the mother of invention, if, if you're going to take away anything that's causing anything, that you're, you're not going to give yourself the incentive to create whatever's needed to fix the problem. And by the way, as human beings, we will create and invent. We will do whatever it's going to take that's necessary to fix the problem. Human beings always have and we always will. That, that's, that, 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 that's the genius of, of the human brain. You know, we only use a, a very small percentage of our brain power. There's so much more available to us. And, and we'll use it. Just give us a chance. Challenge us. Give us, give us that, 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 that problem to solve. And we will solve it. And you, this whole thing about electric cars, how stupid is this? This Gavin Newsom thing, we're going to tell everybody that you only have electric cars. How we, where's the grid coming from? Where is the amount of electricity that's going to be able to economically power source all these cars when they're all being charged at the same time. You just can't do it. We're able to charge our electric car between 12 at night and 6 in the morning. And that's at a reduced rate. After that, no. It goes way the hell up. The first week that we had the electric car, the first month, our bill went to 700 bucks. Boom! From under 100 bucks to 700 bucks. Just like that. And then we found out what we had to do. We had to call, you know, SDG&E. We had, to, we had to give them the serial number of the car. We had to get a special rate. We had to do all these different things. And then we had to charge the car between 12 at night and 6 in the morning. Okay. But what are you going to do when, you, right now, less than 5% of the cars are electric? What are you, you going to do when 50% are electric, 60, 70, 80%? They're all going to be charged between 12 at night and 6 in the morning. Then That's going to be your prime rate. So you're not going to be able to, 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 to have a discounted rate when everybody's charging at the same time. So how are you going to fix that? How are you going to handle that? The government, are they talking to you about that? And when... Right now, we have the, all these brownouts just from washing machines and dryers and televisions. What are you going to do when all these cars are being charged? So many millions, literally millions of more cars. If you're going to have every car an electric car, 
every single one by 19, I'm sorry, by 2035? That's not that many years from now. What, 12, 13 years? Boom, that's going to happen like that. And how are you going to, where is the power source coming from? These people, they do not want to develop nuclear energy. That's, that's what you need to do. Oh, no, they don't want that. Oh, no, nuclear, no. Why not? It's clean. It's perfect. It, it, it's, it, it gives us everything you want. But no, they don't want it. For some reason, these Democrats are they're, they're afraid of nuclear energy. Oh, yeah, they're going to say, yeah, well, you, you know what? You can't get rid of nuclear. You're gonna, what are you going to do with the nuclear waste? What are you going to do with the batteries? How are you going to get rid of all these batteries? And by the way, where do these batteries come from? They all come from China. You're going to depend on China? Are you out of your mind? How stupid can you be? We have the ability to create as much energy as we need in this country right now. We proved it. Whether it's fracking, whether it's offshore drilling, whatever it is. Get us through the next 20 years with energy that we are perfectly capable of producing in as much quantities as we need. And we can make it as inexpensive as is practicable. It's it's right here. We can do it in this country. We did it. Why not? You you are going to tell me that when... The rest of the world, China, Russia, everybody's developing all these, they're they're drilling for oil everywhere. And it's not clean. In America, it's clean. In the rest of the world, it's not, especially not in China. And probably, certainly not in Russia. I don't know about India. So... Does it really matter when you're talking about the whole world? When you're talking about global and they're creating all that over there, but we can't do it over here? How stupid can you be? And for us voters out there, if you do not vote out these Democrats, then... You're going to be responsible. It's not going to be a healthy life. It's not going to be a healthy existence. It's not going to be. It's not going to be a world that you're going to be comfortable living in. Communism is. Is you think this Bernie Sanders guy has a a brain in his head? This man is dangerous. This is communism doesn't work. It's using other people's money. You want to give everybody the incentive to get out there and work and be an entrepreneur and, and, and get a high-paying job and compete with each other. You want everybody to fight with each other to get the best position possible. That creates the camaraderie that you want out there. All the businesses competing with each other, 
competition is good. It's clean. It's necessary. And that's, that's what capitalism helps create. I remember my dad was in the insurance business. It's such a great story. Such a fighter. A guy that he went to radio and television broadcasting school, ABC School of Broadcasting. Graduated from school, went on all these interviews. We live in Brooklyn, New York, in the government projects on the sixth floor of an apartment building. And he gets a job in Ohio, all right, on the radio station. Finally, after going on interview and interviewing for, I don't know, a year, two years, three years after graduating, however long it was, interview after interview, and he gets his job in Ohio, and there's no way that we could move. It just couldn't happen. Could not happen. Oh, my God, I'll never forget the, the, the fighting, the yelling, the disappointment. Oh, it was, it was horrible. What did my dad do? After years of, of going to school and training to speak like a, like a college professor, oh, my God, he was, he was so perfect in his diction and his speaking. And, and that's what he did. That's what he learned. And, and that's, that was his dream. And he couldn't do it. We could not move to Ohio to take that job. Couldn't afford it. Could not. No way. No way could we afford it. And I, I don't know how old I was. Eight, ten years old. I, I, I just remember all the upset and, and everything. What did my dad do? Went right back to school. That's what he did. He went to school and he got his insurance license. That's what he did. Went back to school while he was still driving a cab, working in a luncheonette, working a, another part-time job. He always had two, three jobs, always. And he went right back to school and he got his insurance license. And I remember when he got his insurance license and he had a friend, and I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. It, it was, for, I can't remember, oh my God. I grew up with the guy as, when I was a little kid, and he was the head of some big tobacco company. And so my dad, he, he got him to let him write the insurance program for the American Association of Tobacco Distributors, with NAATC or whatever it was called. And so, and he went around, now, all these tobacco distributors around the country, were, that's what they do. They compete with each other. But they all met once or twice a year and had this big convention. They all worked together. They all did everything they can to create their, a better industry. And, yeah, they competed with each other. There's no question about it. I remember my dad went around sold them all this insurance policy that 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 they were you know that that he was able to develop for them and so they had insurance policies they they had all kinds of things but what 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 they did as as a unit as a group was make life better for themselves Eat, they 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 competed with each other, and at the same time, 
made their lives better. And, and that's what capitalism does. Competition is not a bad thing. It makes you better. It makes you work harder and, and do more and be more creative. And it, it's, it, just, it just keeps you on your toes. And it also creates an environment where you work with your competitors to create a better industry for everybody. And, and that's, that's the great thing about capitalism. That's not what happens with communism. Communism, you just keep on using other people. Look at this, look at this thing. They want to pay off student loans. What are they doing? They're, 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 they're setting people off against each other. Whose p loan is going to get paid off and who's not? Who didn't go to college? Who paid off their loan already? Or who never took out a loan and just worked and paid their way through school? You're, you're, not, you're not creating a, a similar environment for everybody. You're creating an environment where people are against each other. Some people are getting the benefit of getting loans paid off because they took out loans. People that didn't take out loans, they can't take advantage of that. Why not pay off people's car loans? Why not pay off the car loans for people who buy electric cars? You know, I bought an electric car. Pay off my car loan. I mean, my God. I, I just did something that, you know, is, is so beneficial to society, so you say. Why not pay off my car loan? If you're going to pay off student loans, for crying out loud, I mean, I I took that risk. I you know when when I went down, I was I was going down to buy a pickup truck. Yeah, I wanted a pickup truck, and I went down there and I'm filling out the papers and you know my 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 friend is the the general manager of of the car dealership and I'm and 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 all of a sudden I look up and I see this beautiful. Ford Mustang. And I go, wow, look at that, man. That's a good-looking car. And he goes, yeah, the guy ordered it four or five months ago, and it came in yesterday, and he he bought something new a, a month ago. Couldn't wait. I said, wow. He said, yeah. He says, it's for sale. I'll, I'll make you a deal. Really? <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm going, you know, I don't know if I really want to get involved with charging and going through the whole thing and I don't know it's like and he's like Mike it, it, I'll make you a great deal listen it's it's so worth it you get in a pickup truck listen th this is so much of a better deal I'll and uh, whatever and, and I, I went and I did it I thought about it and I said you know what I know I'm going to hate the charging process. I'm going to hate going through it. I'm going to hate trying to find, you know, stations with, you know, this and that. I know it's going to be a, a horror story. And he said, well, maybe, but you know what? You'll figure it out. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it. And I did it. So <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be difficult, but I did it because I said, you know, Maybe maybe this is the right way to go. So I want to do the right thing. Well, why not pay off my loan? <laughs> it's so stupid. 
How stupid can you possibly be as a government to say that you're going to pay off people's loans? If, it, if, you, if people take out loans, <laughs> they're responsible for the loans. You're going to tell people, you're going to tell me that all of a sudden we're, we're, not, we're not responsible for loans anymore? What are you going to do next? You know, well, when is your next act? Gonna, you know, what, what are you gonna, what are you gonna, what are you gonna say after you pay off the student loans? Now you're gonna pay off people's home loans? Yeah, people making less than, I don't know, whatever. Unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. You know, my dad bought a house in Long Island. It was 1960, I wanna say 62. Maybe it was, no, before that. Probably 61. Yeah, 60 or 61. And I was, I had got sent up to Youth House. That's right. That was a um, juvenile delinquency, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I, I got out and I was supposed to go to wherever, Warwick. Yeah, Warwick, um, upstate New York, till I was... 18 or 21 or something like that. And we lived in the projects. My dad bought a house in Long Island for 19990. 19990. That wasn't a big loan, was it? 19990? Nope. And you know, the VA loan and the whole thing. It was it was it was pretty cool. But it was everything he had because he didn't want me to be in a juvenile home until I was 18 or 21. And so bought a house on Long Island. Why not pay off his loan for crying out loud? I mean, what? Kennedy was president, right? So, you know, it was the big it was the big the big democrat from the sky, the big democrat hero. They all love Kennedy. Does everybody know that the, the election of Kennedy was fixed in Illinois and West Virginia. West by God, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> Does everybody know it was fixed? Well, they should. All right. You know what? I have um, I have droned on and and rambled on and gone on just for some thoughts. I wanted to get back. Um, I, I I haven't told the story of what happened this week, but what happened was I went into the ER and they gave me some drugs to put me out, give me some tests, and the drugs went wrong. That was on Monday. I didn't get out till Saturday. It was a, a rough week. Those drugs sent me to the moon. <laughs> yeah, it was um, rough and crazy, but I'm back. Everything's good. I feel great. And um, I want to thank my wife once more for taking care of me. And I understand she went through hell. Listen, the doctors came by and told me I, I really did go off the deep end. And, and they did blame it on the drugs. And they said they want to make sure that they know that my records not to give me whatever it was that they gave me. And I, I, I guess I really did go. I, I went off the track. That's the way it goes. So, um, but I'm back. I feel great. 
And I want to thank Scripps Memorial for taking great care of me and putting up with me and all my stuff, and especially Petrina, because, man, what what she had to go through. Trust me. But I'm, I'm just, I don't, re I have no memory of any of it. But I have heard from the different people in the hospital, the nurses, the doctors, um, <laughs> and Petrina. <laughs> it was a rough week. So I want to thank everybody for taking good care of me. I feel great. I'm glad to be back. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I know I rambled a little bit, but uh, we'll be back early in the week, hopefully before Thursday, and uh, we'll be back on schedule. I'm glad to be back. I'm New York Mike, and this is Rolling with New York Mike. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.